Our text this morning is from the book of James, chapter 5, verses 12 through 20. And let me read it for you. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he, he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. The Word of God. Good morning, Howard Brown, the pastor here at, <clears throat> at Christ Central Church. And um, where's Mr. Bobo this morning? Good morning. <laughs> we got the Bobo imitators, but not haters, I know. Um, <clears throat> someone in our congregation has a new name this morning. Their name used to be Ingram, but now their name is Macklin. Congratulations to Myron and Kristen Macklin, who were married yesterday. They're here today, right there. They don't like attention, but we had a beautiful... Um, wedding ceremony yesterday, and um, it was great to have some of their friends and family um, with us. Um, she is from Portland, Oregon, and um, I don't, it's just interesting. Black people from Portland, Oregon. I thought, I thought we were all in the South. Uh, it's good um, having you guys, good meeting your families um, yesterday, and um, it is definitely awesome that you're here on Sunday after you've been married. Most people, I use that as a joke. You know, I'll see you at church tomorrow, and they laugh. Um, but y'all look happy this morning. Let me stop right there. <laughs> We've come to the end of James, this book. And what a journey it's been um, for my soul, and I hope for yours as well. And we are still working to get the whole series up online for you to go back and listen. Maybe you missed one or want to hear something again or have a friend 
you want to hear it. We're working on the whole thing so that there will rarely, the whole thing, right? So that there rarely and hopefully never be a huge delay between sermons being preached live and being put online. So please be patient. Through the course of this book, James has dumped a world of issues that take place around us and even in us. Throwing us into what I would describe as the proverbial deep end of the pool. But he does not leave us to drown in our suffering and despair. But in these verses that you heard read, James throws us a lifeline. As we heard last week, as we wait and stand and stay for God to act. He tells us. To pray. To pray. First, pray for it all. And secondly, we'll see, pray for each other. First, pray for it all. And secondly, pray for each other. First, we see in James' call for us to pray for it all, that we should and can pray for all things to be healed. Let's look again at this verse, um, this, these verses beginning at 13, and I'm going to read all of it just to kind of get an effect here. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. If anyone am- is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on earth. Then he prayed again, and, he gave, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And yes, I read the whole thing again so that you would not only hear, but be able to experience in hearing the great volume of things God uses prayer to heal. In verse 13, we should pray for God's help and healing in things that make us suffer, like Elijah is cited as doing when he prayed for rain. But not only natural disasters and circumstances and unfortunate happenings, but suffering James has already spoken about, like broken and oppressive systems and histories and all kind of abuses. And these are but a few things God asks and expects us to bring to him in prayer so that those things can be healed and fixed and repaired and reformed and regulated and even justice brought to them. But not only circumstances, but suffering and sickness is a main focus here, right? And and the use of oil, as it mentions, by the elders when they are called to pray for a person and by a person who is sick and worn down is saying that God has called us to pray to fix and heal our broken and possibly diseased physical bodies. Unless I leave the happy folks in this prayer of all things out, 
you happy people. When it talks about being cheerful, we know it's not a word we use a lot. Be cheerful, everybody. It's happy, okay? Be when, about being cheerful, it is saying, give a person a chance to thank God for things being good and healed. That when we need to pray, that we need to pray and praise to God when things are good and work out. We need to give space and community to that. So pray when stuff is bad and when things are going well and not making you weary and suffer, but cheerful. Why? It says pray at those times. If we look back at verse 12, which seems to be a verse out of place, it is teaching in part. That we must be sure to recognize that it is God alone that can and has healed us. This prayer of praise is saying, you, for those who are cheerful, it is saying, thank you, God. I know only you could or would be good to me like this in a world that is so broken and among a people and a person like me who hasn't deserved it or made a deal with you that has made sense for me to be cheerful. But just because you are good and promised to heal and your yes is yes and your no is no, that's why I pray a thankful and cheerful praise to you. But it isn't always easy to pray. All kind of books on prayer, right? We, we're very cynical about prayer, right? Again, we, we, Kelly brought up the sweet hour of prayer thing. An hour of prayer, then Phil said the three-hour thing about Luther. Just kind of leaves you wondering, what's wrong with us? Along with guiding us for why we should make room for pray, pr- prayers of thanks to God, I believe verse 12 gives us insight into why we may struggle to pray to God in general in all things. Look back at verse 12 with me. It says, But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Now, there's many interpretations of this verse, especially because of where it kind of sticks in here in James. God's word is warning us of what might put us in a prayer slump or, or prayer fear, right? If, if, if we have sworn or vowed or what I would describe as paid interest for something and maybe cut a deal with God in ourselves that he has not signed off on, that if we pray well enough, right, or hard enough, right, or pay enough, you know, to God, you know, you go to churches like, if you want a blessing, give this much money, right? Or if we are good enough, then he will heal us this way or that way or on our time. We are setting ourselves up for what verse 12 says is condemnation and a feeling of ineffectiveness in our prayer lives. Like verse 12 is warning. Some of us have even made a self-vow that healing is only healing if it's a miracle. God said that he would the person praying would be healed and raised in these verses on prayer. But he did not say that they would have a miracle healing. A miracle and healing is not the same thing all the time. We pray for miracles most of the time, right? That it would be now. 
and that our healing would be obvious and dramatic and change right away without any complications or that the person would not have to die to then be raised up on the last day with a new body. But James teaches that we pray to God that things would be healed and God is at work healing them when we pray. And yes, we might have to, we, we have the right to ask for a miracle healing or healing the way we want, but the Lord always reserves the right to heal his way in his time. And yes, everyone wants a miracle. But God alone has the right, the will, and sovereignty to give and deliver one. And let me explain something to you. Nothing we can or can't do will change that. No vow. No promise, no amount of money, no amount of prayer meetings, right? You're just adding up these, these, these vows, these oaths that you've made and, and trying to back up, and, and they're not necessarily based on anything biblical or some extra biblical stuff because you want a miracle. You know what's interesting? We look at the Bible, so we hear stories of healings and miracles. The Lord gives miracles and healings apparently just the same to very good Christians and not so good Christians. And those who ask the first time and those who ask until they die and those who we think don't deserve it and those who ask, who we ask, why wouldn't God heal them? We've kind of made our own assessments and judgments on who should be healed and why. And God's really, if he's good, he wouldn't allow this person to suffer. Not a baby, not an old person, not this person. They're so nice. They're so loving. They're so good. And those are oaths. Those are vows. Those are, those are mechanisms of why we think God should act or heal or do a miracle that we put in place. And as we come to pray, believe it or not, we have this thing in our mind, this, this vow, this oath, this thought, this swearing by something that this prayer is only real and true and sure if it happens this way. Get this. We pray for healing because God alone heals and can heal all things, bottom line. So we pray for it. You're not going to be healed any other way. And, and, and doctors fix, right? Doctors practice medicine, but God heals what has been diagnosed and even set in place. God alone made our bodies, and God alone can reverse the effects of sin on a body that is breaking and falling apart from being in a sinful world and from belonging and being used by sinful acting people, sometimes in sinful ways by you and me. God alone can't control the winds and waves and circumstances in our world. God alone has the power and sovereignty and right to reverse that. So I say what James says, if you are suffering, if you are sick, if you are cheerful, if you are beat up, get some prayer, pray for each other, because our God, the God of the Bible, is the only healer human beings and his people especially can and will ever know. But not only pray for things to be healed, but for people to be healed. And here's where I'm going to split hairs. 
and tell you that you are not your body, right? Your body definitely is the perfect shell for you and becomes a way to identify you. And God has given your body to be representative of you being created and crafted to be here and live here on earth as you. But the Bible teaches that you will and can go on living spiritually after you, that's you, your body, is gone. There is you, the body and soul, and then there is you, the soul, the, the, the nephesh, right? The being within and, and wearing and working out yourself in your body. And James is calling us here to not just pray for things like your body to be healed, but for people, the person, the soul to be healed. Why? Because arms and legs and finances and education systems are not the only broken thing ever in a room. There are always, and let me use this double negative, never not broken people. They can be healthy as an Olympic swimmer, but they are not healed ever completely within guaranteed. Look at how he links prayer for things and then people here. Look at verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And it says this, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And, and it doesn't stop there. It says, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Then it goes on, therefore, confess your sins of one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. I think it is clear that James jumps back and forth between the condition of our souls needing prayer and healing and the condition of our things, right? Our bodies and circumstances needing healing. That's the other reason for using oil by the elders. Oil represented healing, right? And therapy for the body. And it said, you know what? The God we pray to is interested in your body being broken and healed from that breaking, right? That God cares about how you feel. He cares if you have a cold. He cares that it hurts. And so he's going to come in and actually heal the physical thing. But it also communicated this. Oil represented God recognizing and touching the person. This oil is a reminder, not only as we have talked about that God will, can, and does heal all things broken in and by this fallen world, but that God is promising through prayer by our request to him to heal the human being that is broken in this fallen world. And when I say broken, like a broken arm, somewhere in their mind and heart and thoughts about God and, and resultant actions that, that somehow they are not in line, right? Like, like a broken bone, they're out of whack, they're fractured inconsistent with what God has said about his, his, this world, himself, and even them, living contrary and, and disconnected to God's revealed gospel love through Jesus' truth for them. This makes sense. This would, this would be a natural prayer of healing for a person's sin as we pray for the circumstances and illness and burdens to be changed and lifted and healed in people's lives because this broken world with all of its broken stuff has a way of contributing to the faith level and encouragement of the souls of people. 
the broken circumstances of finance and injustice and sickness has a way of bringing your soul down, of trying your faith, of getting on your last spiritual nerves, right? And it makes you to, as verse 12 tells us not to do, to swear. And I'm not talking about cussing, though it can do that too. But I'm talking about beginning to turn away from trusting God and to ourselves and other things. When we suffer, when we're sick, when things aren't working right, we start to nuance. We start to make deals within ourselves or with God because the Lord doesn't seem to be able to handle it the way he says he's going to handle it. We give ourselves permission to get relief in other ways that we shouldn't. And we give ourselves permission to see what we do is not truly sinful because we hurt so badly and he doesn't understand or get us. So I'm going to get it for myself. Let me come back and say this. This is called, as verse 12 says, condemnation. Where things get so hard, where you are condemned. It's almost like you declared salvage on the relationship you and, and I have with God because it is just too hard out there. And our souls are literally sickened, right? We're sick and tired. In fact, tired and worn is, and weary is the word suffering, what the word suffering means. It means that we have become so sick from abuse and oppression and battles on us and our resultant ability to live out our faith rightly in our relationships and our jobs and self-control and our sexual lives and thought lives and financial lives and our friendships and our studies in school and our sports and artistic pursuits are all messed up because of what's messed up on the inside. It's like trying to live life on a torn ACL of the soul. James is saying, please accept people that you may be broken, that you may be sick in the soul. Now get this, so discouraged that it is beyond fixing and you are, and, and you are beyond self-helps, that you are beyond the fence, if you will. You're out there, right? Lost and have become something and someone that you can't even recognize anymore and don't even like, but you are surviving and trying to make yourself happy. The Bible says you need to pray. You need divine help because you need a healing of the soul and some of us a miracle of the heart to bring us back to fix what has been broken by only God knows what and who. Because our God is not only the great physician and architect and engineer of the body, but he is the divine architect and remodeler of our souls. I went to one of these financial things, Dave Ramsey things where they kind of teach you how to do your money. And boy, they have all kind of tools, don't they? Flow sheets, testimonies. I mean, that stuff's pretty good for financially broken people. You got to get your little booklet. You got your pencil. You got the DVDs you watch. Some of you sat down with budget people before. 
and as a fellow financially broken person, okay, because I'm spoiled. I was so discouraged the other day because as much as I want that God, like I start to think, think things like, God, can you give me a money breakthrough, right? You know, you stay home in the middle of the day and watch TV. Man, they got all kind of money breakthroughs for you, right? You know, I used to have a hobby of watching the preaching channel. Okay, y'all don't know about that anyway. There is always a money breakthrough for you, ain't there? And, you know, in my mind, I can imagine the amount of money I would need to make it over the hump. Oh, yes, I see it. Sometimes I go and I'm thinking, I'm driving past, the, I'm getting gas, and I'm thinking, man, this just might be my lucky lottery day. What if I get a lottery ticket and put some oil on it and pray or something? Y'all laughing, but I am thinking of a way out. <laughs> James 12 is for me. James 5, 12 is for me because I'm about to make a breakthrough in Jesus' name, right? You just kind of drop God's name on the end of it, and then everything's going to be right. But the, th the point is, I think if I could just hit the lottery, woo, my financial problems will be over. I need a breakthrough, God. Give me some money, Lord. Give me, show me the money, right? <laughs> I can pray an hour for that. Show me the money, God. But I kind of hit rock bottom. I got this thud in my soul when I realized that the money circumstances could be healed. But if I was still broken... And how I viewed stuff and money and how it fed me. If I were not yes and no honest about my financially broken soul's need for God. Then it wouldn't matter if my money was healed. Why would God be as foolish as we are and heal my money to only have me unhealed in heart go sin against him and others in and with the healing I believe he gave me. Here's the bottom line. Our sin has contributed directly to our physical and circumstantial sickness that now need to be healed. And we feel the drag of sickness or suffering of no rain in some dry place circumstantially, maybe money. We must turn to the truth about ourselves and our world. Where are we broken and in need of prayer in here? In here, right? That may have contributed to me being broken and sick on the outside. Only God can go that deep. Only God can reach his hands and care enough to redeem us from that. No physician or therapist who are just tools and gateways to God's healing can do that for you and me. And how do you get that and get there? Pray, my brother. Pray, my sister, right? Be yes and no, clear and honest and true to God, and he will be with you. What does it say? That he will come in, and it says, heal us. But look at this prayer thing. It is not just pray or prayer. It's praying together in community. 
Look, look, at these, look at this command carefully. Just in the first, just verse one and the first and a half verse, right? If anyone among you is suffering, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Even just stop there. You, you, you know, um, and then look at verse 14 again. I'm sorry. Yeah, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. It's the word among you that kind of gets me here. I almost overlooked it. Among you. He's not even talking to this person who is suffering or happy or sick. He's talking to the whole group and individuals within community. This prayer command is anything but just a call to a personal private prayer life. Right? This is beyond the quiet time. The quiet time is nice, but this, what he's talking about, is even more. This powerful work of God to change and heal things and change and heal people happens within and through relationship, relationships in our community. Look at the rest of verse 14, if you will. It says, right, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And then look at verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And it says here that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years and six months. It might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Okay, do you see it? None of these prayers for healing or celebration is about accomplishing some, somehow with your personal prayer life. Every prayer here is about submitting your prayer request to someone else to pray for you or give you room to pray. Even Elijah prayed for the whole nation at the time and suffering of a community. And it says in verse 16 that the prayers of a righteous person has great power as it is working. This righteous person, surprise, is not yourself. Because when you are sick and soul sick, sure, you are righteous in Christ. That never changes, and we'll come back to that. But you aren't right in doing all right. The righteous person in verse 16, and in, the, in the, the language here allows us to do this, it could mean both our righteousness in Jesus, and it can mean we are not suffering and caught up in the same brokenness right now like the person we are praying for necessarily. And here's the point. Someone else is required to make this kind of divine prayer thing happen. Let me ask you a simple question. Who's praying for you? That is not complicit or all commiserating in your condition with you. I didn't say they didn't understand you. I'm saying who's not sick in the soul like you right now. Who of you confess your sins to that is praying for you? Or are you swearing by yourself in your own prayer life, in your own broken view of life, in yourself and thus prayers like the verse, person in verse 12? No wonder nothing in you are not changing. 
because we aren't confessing and calling and sharing among anyone else but ourselves and our own lives and you and others in the mud with you are sitting there condemned and unhealed, not only in body, but even in the soul. Do you understand that God is offering healing for all the twisted things caused by sin in our bodies and our souls through the community of his saints and his church? Yes, the church has some special stuff going on here. With elders coming and praying for you and me that the church, the relationships given and forged with each other, but on top of that, entrusted to your spiritual leaders by God. This is a hard one. That in humble obedience and trust in God, you call on the elders so that things can and will change for the better. In body, in circumstance, and soul, even as broken bodies and circumstance rage on, here is the good news in verse 15. God will raise you Okay. There is this crazy lack of trust and fear and disappointment between leaders in a church and their members. And yes, at Christ Central. There's a lot of harbored disappointment and bitterness and distrust between elders and members and people in this congregation. Yes, this church between the elders of this church and the session, you the people. Let, let me say this. We have not and will not be perfect in caring for you. And I believe that in a number of situations of circumstances and broken relationships in this church, God has chosen not to heal and miracle heal through our elder intervention. In the way we and you asked and wanted and when we, that's you, and us didn't get it the way and how we wanted, we get sad and condemned. And we as elders, we sit around and we even like, why? What did we do wrong? Why didn't it heal? Why didn't it come out right? We get sad, condemned, angry, and blamed this or that. And guess what? We do it too. You know, and we must watch ourselves that we don't make promises and by our bravado and desire to leave, swear to things we can't and aren't called to do and fail and fall in. But I urge you and us as elders, it's time to pray again. It's time to call on us again. It's time to call on us for the first time, some of you. There has been lots of repentance and confession and yes, yes, and no, no decision made in our session to begin to care for you, to be able to establish and improve the relationship that God has given to heal you. 
And for you to feel safe and as it is your right as a believer in this church to confess your sins so that we can pray for your pain and misgivings and condemnation. We believe humbly, right, that God wants to use us to be good to you, right? Used by God to lay hands and anoint you with oil and pray and hear your sins and pray so that you can be raised up and brought back to the Lord. So God will make it rain grace on your circumstances and on your dry souls. Call on us. Come on in. The session meeting is yours. I know it doesn't seem that way. When you come to that room, it looked like a board meeting. I know. But it is you. It is for you. I'll bring the oil to encourage your faith that God is about to heal you, your situation or body. But I urge you to come. And I must ask, on top of that, where are your relationships? Where in two, who are you confessing and bringing your brokenness to be prayed for? And who are you available to, to pray and listen? The relationships in this church community are God's gift to you in a suffering world, in your breakthroughs and celebration, in your sickness, for your soul, for your sin. Why are you and I not taking advantage of them? Maybe again, like verse 12, we sworn by something other than what God has given in his grace for our healing. And we are lying and hiding from each other, maybe out of fear of embarrassment or humiliation, and you have sworn to never share this because it will make you look broken and bad, guess what? We already know you are broken. And we must be praying community for prayer to work and for God to, to do his work on and below the surface. Look again at verse 15 as we close this. I'm sorry, uh, verse 16, yeah. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. James is not only saying be so bold as to think you can pray like the great biblical prophet Elijah. He's saying something deeper. He is saying be so bold as to pray as one who has been chosen and made righteous by Jesus to pray. You know what that means? That the righteous man or woman if Jesus is your Savior, is humbly you and me. Which means our, our prayers, right? That, that, that you and I, uh, that our prayers can be used effectually by God to heal and change things and people. Jesus has done this and made this true about his people. I tell and remind you of this because the storeroom, the smorgasbord of God's healing and restorative and renewing and forgiving power, uh, just a prayer away. Get this, not for you, just like it wasn't personally for Jesus, but for those whom he has called you to pray for. 
Maybe the reasons we are not experiencing God's power for prayer, prayer healings is because we will experience it and experience it more as it happens for the person we are praying for and only as someone else prays for us. If I don't see any prayer healing or miracles, who are you praying for? Yourself? I don't really know. Is God really working? Is he, is he really acting? Because, because I've been praying that he changes me for a long time. Have you prayed that he changed someone else for a long time? So many of the experiences of healing and miracles that I have seen happen over the many years I've been in ministry have little to do with me. It has so much to do with how we pray for other people and you see what God does in our lives. There's some kind of weird perspective there where you're, when you're on the outside of praying for somebody, you see God working in their lives even in ways they can't see. I must ask, when you go to prayer, if you do, who do you bring with you? And who are you seeking and hoping in grace and power from God for. Know this, the person in person sitting next to you or with you today at community group meeting or by the elders of the church or your friend in your dorm who knows the Lord or your parents or brother or sister even or your husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend or good neighbor has access to the rights of a healing and change that Jesus by his grace and in his time and according to his plan has for you. Know this, you are sitting there wherever you are. You have the grace and given prayer access if you know the Lord for the person sitting next to you, sleeping in the bed with you possibly, eating across the table, across the street from you, in the hall of the apartment or dorm across from you, for the person who's getting on your nerves and everyone else's and even their own, right? You know, and he's saying you who are declared righteous and blessed by God through Christ, has the ability to access God's grace through prayer for the people and world around you. And this is all true and held together because Jesus is ultimately our praying elder. He's the one who is faithful among us, the one who hears our confession and the one who has been righteous and loving enough to bring us back from death and sin and by his death and taking on our sins and sufferings of the world, he's made prayer effective. Today is a good day to start praying. Pray. Pray. For all things, pray for each other. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this call and ability by your grace to pray. You've declared us righteous, Lord. By your grace, by your blood, to access change in healing. Lord, I do pray for your people who are praying and they're waiting. 
Lord, I pray that they would not vow or make an oath in the timing of their prayer, in the type of healing and deliverance you may give them. Lord, I do pray that you would use this community with its leadership, with its elders, and with its community, Lord, the relationships that you have called us to, to pray for each other. Lord, I pray that our prayer list would increase with other prayers and lessen with our own. I pray, Lord, that as we lessen our prayer list, that the things we struggle with will cause others' list to grow. Lord, we thank you that right now you're interceding for us. That there is a constant prayer in heaven for those who are yours. That you hold us, that you keep us in mind as you sit at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. As you intercede for us, help us to intercede and intervene for one another in prayer. This we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.